Hello, everybody, and welcome to Grading the World with Baker and Joe. I, Joe, I almost said welcome to the Donaldson messages, but we've, we've been we've been we've been hammering that at least you and I have for more than a month. So, for those of you who tuned in to hear part two of that, we're going to push it back a week because there's just there's a lot of stuff that that happened this week, and Matt and I have been have been setting aside the current event stuff in favor of that fascinating story. So we're going to, we're going to jump back into the present this week. So radio listeners, if you did not catch last week's show, go to gradingtheworld.com and, and check it out because we, we had a, a very strange ghost time travel, paranormal story. Aliens. Yeah. yeah, yeah that that we, 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 we brought the first half of it to you last week and podcast listeners, make sure you go catch up on that before next week's episode, because we're going to try and bring it to a conclusion, even though the actual story has not come to its own conclusion just yet, but mm-hmm. a whole, a whole lot, a whole lot to talk about this week. And we'd be remiss if we didn't start with, the arrest of, of my least favorite president. And, <laughs> you know, I think there, there's a lot to grade here. The, the, the prosecution itself, the charges themselves. And also we always like to grade the public reaction to things. And I, I have, again, I'm going to get, I got a lot of bad grades to give out this week, but I think the, the, the charges and the prosecution seems to me to be very, Al Capone taxi evasion. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't get him for the actual crimes he committed. So get him for this this thing that he did that was kind of a you know, like a Nixon thing, even too. Like they're gonna get him for the cover-up instead right. of the actual all the the criminal things he did when he was president and before. So I'm gonna give the 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 New York prosecutor a B on just for just for doing this, just for making for taking the step. I think mm-hmm. they the the state deserves some credit for that. I'm gonna give the public reaction to it a D plus because it is as we expected his supporters are using this as a, a rallying cry, although the rally wasn't just kind of fizzled before it happened. Yeah. And 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 his detractors of which I am definitely one. I don't like the gloating over it. I don't think it, it helps. I don't think it it does anything. I also don't think he's going to spend a minute in prison. In fact, if he does, I will eat this laptop that I'm talking to you on (laughs) right now, piece by piece, because that is absolutely not going to happen. He's, he's rich. He's powerful. He has a lot of people in his pocket. He is he's not going to spend a second in prison. I'm really surprised it even got this far. Mm-hmm. All right. So then let me ask some questions here. Right. So he's being charged with basically the hush money paid um, in regards to the Stormy Daniels uh, fun times. Right <laughs> now. I, this is where I struggle with this on a few levels because I, I hear you and, and I, I think I agree with a, a good chunk of what you just said. But if are, are we to think that he would have been the first and only politician to pay hush money? No, but he, he it just, it, it, just get, like, it seems like he was just really dumb about not hiding it better. Yeah, well, but I also think he did this to himself in a way that I don't think he necessarily, as far as paying hush money goes, I don't think that's anything out of the ordinary in the world of politics. Um, But does does that mean just, just because it's been done before, does that mean it's, it should be forgiven? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going there, but, but I, but I also agree with you. Like it's, well, we couldn't get him on some other stuff. So let's get him on this. I kind of feel like, and you know, I'm, I'm not a, a, Trump fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I kind of feel like it's, well, if we couldn't get him for this, let's get him for that. And it's kind of like, it it seems very juvenile to me. If, if we, and I agree with you, I don't think any time is going to be spent in jail. Then what are we doing with taxpayers dollars for this? In, in like, do we really, this is really just to drag his name through the mud because the politicians know that's what he cares about most. 
So this is the lowest, like we we're saying like, it's no big deal. But to him, I think the politicians know how much his name matters to him and to drag his name through the mud to say, I don't think he cares about that at all. I don't think he has any, you know, he's a sociopath. He doesn't, yeah. that's, that's not even on his radar. I think if anything, the political political goal would be to damage his chances in 2024. But I think if anything, yeah. the, the, it, the exact opposite is going to happen. This well, is that, I, Yeah. And I kind of worry about that where I do have a big problem with, and I, I don't like the the celebration of this and the feel that, you know, and I, I believe I think it was Pelosi um, who said this, like, well, he'll have his day to prove his innocence. Yeah, and I just that's not how we work. You know, in in America, we you were you're innocent until proven guilty. So yeah, I, I understand that, and I heard that you know a lot of other places, but I don't think that's that's not that wasn't that wasn't what she was saying. She she was just saying he'll have his day in court, he'll have his chance to to prove himself. I don't think she was trying to sort of like subvert the justice system with that statement. I I do agree with you though. The the celebration. This is not a good thing. For anybody, for the country, for our past, for our future. This is a, a terrible, stupid, disgusting four years that we had I to agree. live through. But, you know, gloating over the fact that he's, you know, had to get fingerprinted. I'm really glad the mugshot wasn't published because I was bracing for every one of my lefty friends to make that their Facebook profile picture for a week. And that, mm. that again, uh, you know, like you, like you were saying, that doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help any yeah. of us. And, and I like, again, it's, I kind of just feel like it's, it's a waste of taxpayer dollars. It's a waste of time and energy. I, I, I get it. Like, and, and, and you're right. It does just because, you know, doesn't make it right because everybody else was doing it. I I also fear, as we know, the political landscape now, now the Republicans are going to push just as hard to try to find their Democrat that they're going to nab for this. Because oh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't, again, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. You can't tell me that career politicians don't pay hush money for something. So yeah. anybody, everybody is fair game now. And, you know, for what? I don't know. Yeah, there's going to be a Clinton prosecuted in Texas in, you know, before we're done recording the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, I guess I, I, I agree with the grades. Like, I guess I would push back a little bit on the B for the prosecutor only because, again, like, again, I sure he did it. But are we really going to be prosecuting every politician who has paid hush money? <laughs> please, can we? Please, I, I can, guess, can I mean, we? Yes, actually, yes, you're right. So I guess if you're looking at it that way, yeah, like, good, let's keep it rolling. And and let's let's keep it rolling. Let's prosecute all these other uh, politicians as well. Um, yep. And I, I'm with you as far as the, you know, the public reaction. You're either a supporter of Donald Trump and, and you're – pretending that this isn't real you're making up all your your conspiracy theories or you're you know the the extreme left and you're throwing a party and, and celebrating and I, i'm not quite sure what you are celebrating yeah you know? i just want to tell everyone out there that if you're looking for an, an entirely objective view of any of these events you're not going to get it anywhere anywhere else than from matt baker so because <laughs> every, everyone else i knew exactly how they were going to react to this in public conversation every one of my friends you know and that's where that's where i i appreciate your i know i i tease you for being in the middle of the road a lot but to times like this that that i really appreciate it and it gives me a, a kind of a new way to see things sometimes uh, so we're going to jump to sports for a minute and you know there were two very good basketball ncaa basketball tournaments the men's tournament was kind of chaotic and i'm sure everyone's like mine everyone's bracket was trashed by the by the third day but the women's tournament had so many more compelling games and side storylines. I was really pulling for South Carolina to finish their perfect season. That, that, been nice. that yeah. did not happen. Instead, we got 
the most detestable figure in women's <laughs> basketball coaching her way to, I think a fifth national title. And, you know, if you want, if you want to hear about who Kim Mulkey actually is, go to the podcast, go back to episode 30, our, our talk with Emily Neiman, who played for Mulkey on the 2005 Baylor championship, national championship team. And, you know, Kim Mulkey is everything detestable about a human being. And beyond, beyond just what I know from, from being friends with Emily, I have covered a lot of her games and a lot of her press conferences. And she just has this, like this evil air about her. She reminds me of from 101 Dalmatians, Cruella DeVille. She is the living embodiment of Cruella DeVille. And it just, it just seeps out of her. If you're ever in a room with her and, a, a complete, complete contrast. Uh, Karen Aston, who was the coach at Texas at the time that I was there, was just one of the kindest, nicest, most accommodating, friendly, just gracious people I ever met. And they were such a contrast because I, I watched them on opposite sidelines mm -hmm. probably seven or eight times between regular season games and Big 12 tournament games. And it was just a, a, a giant contrast. And the women's tournament showed us a lot of things, but it, it showed me mostly that karma is is mostly a myth because if if karma was really a thing, then that would have been Karen Aston's team winning a championship and Kim Mulkey would have been knocked out in the first round. But the the side story that that made the most news was the Angel Reese, Caitlin mm -hmm. Clark hand in front of the face thing, which which John Cena, I guess, pioneered. You know, you wave your hand in front of your face, mean, meaning I can't see I can't, you. Can't see me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't see me. So, this is a move that Caitlin Clark pulled a couple of times during the season. Everybody's favorite little white girl, and then when Angel Reese did it, an LSU player in the final, the the whole internet blew up at her. And it, it, it was pretty transparent, you know. And then immediately after the tournament, Jill Biden turned around and invited both LSU and Iowa to the White House, even though she backtracked on that just a couple days days later. But yeah, you know, and got the appropriate amount of guff for it because no one ever has ever invited the losers to the White House. You know, make it a separate thing six months down the road. But she basically invited them to the same ceremony that was going to be to honor LSU. And my um, my Twitter comment was maybe she'll make Caitlin Clark eat in the kitchen. Kind <laughs> of trying to even things out a little bit. But you know, like I said, at least she backtracked on it. But there was that moment of sort of what the hell is she doing? I I don't get this. I don't get it either. Right. So. I mean, I, I would, well, do you want to here, go ahead, give grades. And then I'll, I'll give my grades out for this if you want. So I'm going to give Caitlin Clark a, a, a B plus for her performance. Cause she was phenomenal this whole tournament. And it was kind of a letdown for, for that team. And I'm going to give Kim Mulkey an F like I do for everything. And <laughs> I don't, I'm not even going to separate the coaching from the, the person because we do that too much in sports. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to, Keep it both, you know, I'm going to give the players on that team the A-plus that they deserve because they had a fantastic tournament and they took out South Carolina, who just was was steamrolling their way to a championship. So, the, you know, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of grades. And I'll give Jill Biden a D for for, you know, being uh, whatever, a little blind to, to circumstances and history here. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so my grades for this one, I had Caitlin Clark, I was going to give her an A because I feel like she was, she was phenomenal throughout this tournament. Um, and you can't blame her for the Biden stuff and, right. and no, for, yeah, and for yeah, the yeah. Twitter idiots, you know, she was, she was being herself and she is, you know, by all means, she's, she's a great player. She's a great teammate. You know, there's nothing objectionable about her, her conduct on the court or off the court. So I, yep. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I'm going to give Angel Reese an A too. Um, I, I think 
she played outstanding as well. She had a great tournament and, you know, she did what she did and didn't backtrack. Like I can respect that. And and she even said, and I give her a lot of respect on the podium saying, you know, this is, this is me unapologetically. And, and I, you know, if you're going to be anybody, be yourself. So I give her an A I'm with you. On Joe Biden, I I mean, I laughed out loud when I read that story and <laughs> sent it to you. I'm like, no, you don't invite the losing uh-huh. team. Like, no, that that's no. Um, so I'm with you there. I, I let me push back a little bit. And as someone who has not seen more than five minutes of women's college basketball this year, right? I don't have much ground to stand on here. But I did do a little bit of reading, and I know sometimes this can get skewed, Joe, so tell me if I'm wrong, though. Where I differ with you is I don't think that I, – I think obviously, yes, there are some people out there who their perception of how Angel Reese handled the championship, yes, race does play a part in their perception in that. However, I don't think as a whole it was a race a racial issue. And I I sometimes cringe a little bit when I hear public um, figures pushing that racial narrative. When you say, what I mean by that is, when 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 I'm talking about specifically the the, and again, I know you hate Twitter, but like the 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 public conversation reaction to Angel Reese doing the the hand in front of the face thing. where, so where she me, she was a thug and a punk where when Caitlin Clark did it three times during the season, nobody said a word. And I so think that I, I think I, I I will insist that that is a you know that is a that comes from a, a a racial bias. And I'm not saying everyone that that posted a comment critical of Angel Reese is is deep down a, a bigot, but you know, when I talk about racism in in this respect, it's more of it, it is it is like the overlay on everything on how the media reports things, how you know the com the, the live commentators react to it. It's just it's just the the color of of our society. And I've talked about a few things from hundreds of years back. Like this George, this George, the slave that George Washington owned, we talked about, you know, six mm-hmm. or eight weeks back. Like it's just so deeply ingrained in us and how we converse about things that I think we don't notice that that are that that it's there, but it's just it's such su- such a part of the way that we talk about everyday occurrences. But we also have to be careful because like, and we've said this when it comes to mental health, if everything is mental health, nothing is. And you do a disservice to those that really struggle with mental health. And I agree with you. I don't think, I I don't think every, yes, there are some people who on Twitter, I guess, were racially motivated to do that. However, when I was looking at the the videos, and again, I, I admittedly, might be way off on this because I haven't seen more than five minutes of college basketball. But when I did try to look through the different clips and put all of it into context, here's what I noticed. And, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, Joe, if you know more about this. Caitlin, and, and for the record, I actually don't have much of an issue with Angel Reese doing it. I don't. But I do think they're different in how, in context, how they were handled. Caitlin Clark is kind of doing it as a, like to her own teammates to her face. They can't see me. They can't see me not in a face of an opponent. So the, the movement itself was the same, but in context, I didn't notice Caitlin Clark following her opponent when they're up in a blowout style way. So I, they're different. I don't have a problem with Angel Reese doing it. It's trash talk. It's on the court and she stood by it in, in her press conference. So I don't have a problem with her doing it. But I have a problem with making it, oh, you're only doing this because it's race. I think there are other things that are racially motivated that we could address. And if again, like if everything becomes race, then nothing. It loses its significance. So in this situation, I saw um, an athlete who's up big 
in a game that's already decided, took that opportunity to use a move, the you-can't-see-me move, against her opponent who made that her own. And Angel Reese was in Caitlin Clark's face saying, yeah, you can't see me. I, I get it. I don't have a huge problem with it, but it is different than Caitlin Clark after she hits a three looking at her own bench saying they can't see me. They can't see me. It, I just, I, they're different. Yeah. But, but in that respect, I kind of want to give Angel Reese extra points for utilizing it in, in kind of a, you know, kind of throwing it back at Caitlin Clark in such a giant moment you know, in, in a championship winning moment. So I, 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 I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about outlandish athletes and I I love the, the Randy Mosses and, and I, and the boring athletes just boring. Right. And so I, I, I will sort of lean back against you a, a little bit on yeah. the racing. But again, I think I'm, I'm talking more about th- the conversation afterwards than I am about the action itself. Like I think essentially it was, it was the same move and the circumstances were definitely a little different. I hear what you're saying there, but the reaction to it was, and this is where you're you're, you're doing yourself a, a service by staying away from Twitter because <laughs> Twitter was the place where it was it, it was most noticeable that that there was extra hate and the the accus- accu- accusations of you know the the word the word thuggery was thrown out way too way too much and it was like you said it was essentially the same the same move. And if I can throw in a, a little John Cena story here, since he was <laughs> the one who, who birthed it, it probably uh, about 20 years ago or so when I was working as a stagehand, we did a lot of concerts and Broadway type shows, but a few times a year we would, we would work on Monday night raw. And so we, we would you know, set up the ring, set up the lighting, the sound, the best thing about Monday Night Raw, usually like for a typical concert, even big shows like Springsteen and the Rolling Stones, the the spread in the in the green room was you know, a plate of cold cuts, a tray of fried chicken, French fries, if you're lucky, a salad. But because the wrestlers are so concerned with nutrition, their health, right? Yeah. They had s- grilled salmon, grilled chicken a dozen different kinds of salads, fresh fruit, no garbage. It was by far the best spread of the year. And I made sure to never miss a <laughs> WWE raw event because the catering was so good. And so we were in line for catering during one of the breaks. And one of our, one of my coworkers, Dave, who was kind of a giant wise ass anyway, we're looking looking out at all these chafing dishes, all these catering trays with the silver lids. Mm-hmm. A very nice looking spread. And he says very loudly in front of a room full of wrestlers, I wonder which one of these dishes has the steroids in it. Oof. And John Cena jumps up from his chair and covers the whatever 15 feet between him and Dave in an eighth of a second and gets John Dave is like five foot nothing. And Cena gets right up in his face, and John Dave's Dave's nose is is at Cena's chest, and he starts poking his finger at him. Said, "Look around this room. Most of these guys have friends who died from 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 that bleep." Yeah, and he's just kind of like telling him to watch his mouth. And the rest of us are all very very quietly backing away from Dave. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> And it's trying to get closer to the food. And just like the conversation after that was we get your point, John, but you're not, but with the, the eruption of rage, you're not making a very, a a very good case for yourself Uh that, that there's no steroids in wrestling. So that that's my John Cena story. Sorry. I hope he doesn't (laughs) hope he doesn't sue us. Not that he's listening, but anyway, so we, I think we can move on from, so again, I'm with you. Caitlin Clark had a fantastic tournament, and I don't want to take anything away from her 
because of her racist fans. Mm-hmm. That's just the way the world is. And I, I'm not saying that everyone who, who posted a comment critical of Angel Reese has is in their heart a, a racist bigot, but you you reflect the things that are shown to you. And I think mm-hmm. the if you look at the national media, media they were far more critical of Angel Reese than they were of Caitlin Clark for essentially the same, the same move. And again, we can, we can move, move on to another, another story that really doesn't have anything good about it. <laughs> Bud Light released this rainbow can rainbow packaging and every idiot conservative had the knee jerk reaction. To, oh, we're going to boycott Bud Light, which if that's what made you boycott Bud Light and not the uh, fact yeah, that it is yeah. a terrible, terrible beverage, then then you're an idiot anyway. But we even got this video of Kid Rock shooting up cases and cases of Bud Light. And it kind of reminds me of the Nike burning that happened last year. So to prove that that you 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 know you want to do damage to a company, so you're gonna go out and buy a bunch of their products so you can destroy it, but also, we need to note that this was the first relevant thing Kid Rock has done in about 20 years. And so I will, of course, give Kid Rock an F for his his redneck stupidity, especially considering that, you know, he plays up this good old boy country redneck image. But he, he's essentially a rich kid from from the Detroit suburbs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all it's all phony. And following along the theme of it's all phony. I will consistently jump on corporations that try to seize these moments of social evolution and Bud Light has, it does get, you know, gets the same F for just for trying to capitalize on this conversation about LGBTQ rights and, and the, all the problems with, with trans trans kids in particular. And we'll get to that in a second too. But I have no nothing good to say about Anheuser Busch about their their crappy beer or their crappy marketing schemes. I'm with you. Like so, I I agree with that. Like to me, I have a a, a bigger issue with teams, you know, sports teams, and these companies who, in my opinion, are. It, it, Void of any real substance other than, oh, look at me. I, they do it like a lot of these sports teams, too. They'll they'll have their teams where, you know, they'll do their pride nights and they'll have their team wear these special uniforms to warm up or even a game only to then auction them off for their own profit at the end. Like, I have no idea where that money goes, but right. it's to make themselves money. And if Anheuser-Busch wants to take all the money that they make off of these rainbow bottles or whatever and give it to the Trevor Project or and or give it to PFLAG, I'm all for that. But they're not doing that. They're right, using so like, it. They're 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 wallowing in the in the ne- negative publicity because they know it just sells more beer, more crappy beer. Uh, do you think like and I we kind of talked about this. I believe it was last baseball season, the Tampa Bay Rays. Remember those? Um, I, I forget who the 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 pitchers were, but they yeah. refused to put the the rainbow the patch, envelope, yeah. or the rainbow rainbow patch on there to wear it. And like, I guess you can say what you want about those players, but you know, I kind of feel like look, I, I will, I will. They're homophobes and they're idiots. I will yeah, say but, that, but. Like I, I have the same issue with the team who, again, who or the league who doesn't really even care if they wear it or not. They're just doing it for their own money. They're not doing it. It like I'd rather have the Anheuser Busch CEO come out and do a whole monologue or a whole like do something for the LGBTQ community, not just say I'm gonna print reprint these bottles and call it my good deed for the year. Like to me, I kind of, I don't know. I see through that. So I don't know. Like I just kind of, I'm, 
I don't know. I have an equal issue with both sides of it. Like I don't, I personally, I don't see the problem. I could you know, It's bad beer. I'm not drinking it regardless <laughs> of the color of the can. I don't like it. Um, but I, and, but I also, I, I see through, I just feel like it's a fake, you're not doing anything. Yeah. That's all I got on that. Well, and, and that, yeah. And, and that's where I think, you know, there is good that could come out of it, but they're, but like I said, they're not doing it. You know, there are plenty of organizations that, that support that, that, that do a lot of work on behalf of, of these populations that aren't getting anything out of this other than a bunch of hate directed their way from, from a yeah, bunch of rednecks. Like, what you're going to, you're going to change your patch color for one game. You're going to change your, the, your, the print on your cans for a week. Like I did just, just so to, I, just, I don't know. I see if, if you really were trying to do something positive, change it indefinitely. You know, if that's if if you felt this is all I could do with our platform here at Anheuser Busch, is to print a, a a rainbow color can for a week, do it indefinitely. Like you know, like I don't know. I just yeah, and we're part of the problem. Brand. I don't know. We're part of the problem because we said Anheuser Busch about eight times yeah, in the last true. ten minutes. So yeah, so we're, again, we're part part of the problem, not the solution. So donate to to again. I'll mention two two fantastic organizations, T Flag. And the Trevor Project, both of of which do fantastic work for helping kids. You know, trans kids are at a, an extremely high risk of suicide, and that's undeniable. So, th- like I said, those two organizations are where where you should be putting your money, not into terrible beer. The um, so speaking of awful things directed at trans kids. We can jump. Let's jump to Kansas first, then back to Tennessee. Sure. So, so Kansas passed this this law, essentially, prov- and it's kind of it's it's not like it provides. It's not like it creates the the actual framework framework for this, but it 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 had language that allowed for genital inspections to be part of physicals for scholastic athletes. For high school, I think high school, maybe middle middle school too, to where if someone challenged whether a and again, it's all about women. It's all only directed at women. No one's checking the the guys, the people who are trying out for the boys teams for 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 female genitalia. Sure. It's all about quote protecting the girls from a a a, a contingent that consistently puts out policy that is terrible for women and girls, anti-abortion, anti-birth control, anti-sex education. So this would allow, because I'm unclear on this, this would allow a dominant girl, like me as a parent, let's just say my, my daughter is playing in a game and is being dominated on the court by this other female, I could then challenge to prove her genitalia is. Again, I'm not sure. Like there there's, there's a, a a distinct lack of very specific guidelines set out because I think the people that are behind this know that it's not going to fly three feet in court. So as far as actually how this would, would play out, I don't think it matters because it's in real reality, it's never going to happen, but it, it it made it through the state legislature in Kansas. And then the governor vetoed it. And then the veto got overridden. So that's where the story stands right now. Okay. And obviously we're, we're both kind of light on the facts here, but it, it, I mean, it, I don't know that to me, it's like, it's kind of disturbing. Like I, I believe kids should have physicals from their doctor before playing a sport, you know, every year I I would have that, but not necessarily my gender being questioned. But I think, you know, a physical that says I'm healthy to play is fine. And anything past that, I kind of feel like is unnecessary, intrusive. I mean, I'm being kind in the words I'm using here, but anything more than that doctor physical that says, yep, you are healthy enough to play um, is, in, in, in my opinion, unnecessary anything beyond that doctor physical and and you know someone's you know especially a kid's gender identity is between them and 
their doctor. And we're seeing this debate too. I don't know if you heard this, but there are some, some States, I think Florida was where if a kid goes to his, to their school and wants to change their gender identity, that the school is going to notify the parents. Well, it's not just the public that is anti-trans and dangerous to trans kids. There's a lot of, a lot of parents that are, that don't approve, you know, I don't know how don't approve is the wrong way to put it because this is not something that, that you can approve of or not like, like your kid dating the kid across the street. This is something that's essential to who your kid is. It's not about approval. It's about understanding. And if you don't understand, just stay out of the way, stay out of the conversation, let your kid get emancipated and, and forget that you ever had kids because you don't deserve to have kids. And I'm, I'm standing very firm on that, that that is, I don't care if the kid's 17 or 12 or nine or six. Chances are greater that a parent, especially in places like Kansas and Tennessee and Florida, chances are much greater that a parent will be hostile and not understanding than that, that, that those parents will be supportive. And we talked a little bit before before the show about a situation you're having with with your kids, and you know I, I commented that in all of all of our conversations about your kids, you seem to to be very good at being supportive while you're teaching lessons. And I'm not saying that these parents are coming from a bad place. They these are people who have very outdated beliefs and very outdated notions of what gender is and what what gender identity is. And so if they're reacting badly, the best thing we can do is give the their kids a safe place to go to work these things out. And that sh- school should be one of those places. And these are states that are making sure that schools are not one of these places. I agree with about 90% of what you said. Do you want, I guess clarify what you mean. So I, I know we, we started on the sports thing and now we're moving towards the school and there's a lot of education stuff that we still within only 20 minutes, we'll try to get to, but like, I do believe a school is, should be obligated to communicate back home. It's not, I, I, I don't disagree with some of the things you said. Um, but as a parent, I do think if something happens at school, it's not the school's responsibility to decide whether or not I understand or not. It's the school. The school does need to inform the parent because I I agree a a school should be a safe place for our students, but that safe place is a temporary space and you are a parent for life. There are bad parents out there. There are great parents out there, but it's not up to a school to say, ooh, you know, you confided in me. I shouldn't tell your your parents. I, I that is and, 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 and I know this is gonna sound really bad, and I don't wish abuse for any reason upon anybody, but you know, if a school is suspecting of abuse, there are things that they can do. Well, the things that that you're obligated to do as a, you know, I forget what they call what they call it. You like know, we're mandated reporters, and right? Stuff like right. That. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, I, I get what you're saying, and especially, I'm, you know, I'm not a parent, so I don't understand that part of it. But the the school the, the school cannot be be obligated and this is essentially what's going to happen in some of these situations is the schools are being or, or some of these mandated reporters are being forced to do things that are clearly going to be to the detriment of that kid's mental or physical health and i agree that the parenting should be should be done at home but at what point, like you said, you 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 identified the other end of it without going home well, with that kid. You don't know exactly what the situation is, but I think th- this is the kind of thing that you have to look at the look at the room where it's happening. You know, look at the 
the community, the look at the state where, where these things are happening. And that is what gives me the, the, the idea that in, in these situations that, that kind of reporting is not definitely not in the best interest because you can sort of predict what the outcome is going to be, whether this happens in Kansas or California yeah. or Florida I, I or Oregon. Mean- I, 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 again, I agree with most of what you're saying. And, and the, the harsh truth is, I mean, as, as, as schools, like schools send kids home to ugly situations all the time. Like it sucks. It does. I, and, and again, I don't want anyone, any kid to go home without having a dinner, but you know, we send kids home when we know they're not going to eat until breakfast the next morning at school. It, it's not, and, and as a teacher, I sometimes feel like too much is put on our plate to overcompensate for some of these bad at home situations. I feel like the the change, the fix needs to be in when you're calling the DCF services or the crisis type situations, you know, the, the, they're quicker to respond or they're quicker to help provide services for families that might need help in understanding different situations, keeping families in the dark you know, you might know, hey, if I tell mom this, it's not going to go over well. You, you still got to tell the parent that because ultimately, again, like, you know, I, I wish we would have to pass a test before you came a parent. Like, you yeah, should, I'm with you, I'm you with should you be there, able to yeah. pass a test. You got to pass a test to drive a car. You should have to pass a test to bring a kid into this world because it's no joke. But, you know, you you you, you can't keep families in the I, I get what you're saying, right. but. You can't keep families in the dark, no matter how awful that situation might be. It, it is the parents' right and and to know. And then if if something it, adverse happens it, to that kid, it, 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 is it really though? Does the parent need to know that a kid wants to be wants to be wants to identify as transgender or agender or well, whatever? Yes. It I is? mean, how else? If 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 the issue is the parent not understanding keeping them in the dark isn't going to help them. To I understand. agree. I agree. But, but in the only, the only way out of that is to put more burden on educators to then, then it, uh, as well as, as trying to teach the kid arithmetic and do they still call it arithmetic or did I just date myself there? Uh, yeah, you but trying to keep, teach the kid, you know, phys ed or, or math or art or whatever you're now you're trying to socially educate a, an ignorant parent as well. And I think if the kid, the, a kid has to deal with that enough at home, trying to let their parents know that, that that's something they're going through. But if they want their peers to, you know, if if someone who was assigned male at birth gets to middle middle school and wants their peers to start addressing them as a girl, I don't know that that necessarily that the that the parent necessarily has to know about that if it's if it's happening at school well if it's happening i'm not not asking i'm not asking you to to explain why that's yeah no i mean look for the sake of time for 90 percent of what you said i i agree with i don't but i just you know i i i don't think you you don't keep the families in the dark i think you you have to talk to the families you have to keep that line of communication open and you have to provide them with supports not you yourself as the counselor or school district but like hey if you need help understanding this you know here's some resources to help but you can't keep the families in the dark i i agree with you if it's a situation where the kid is whatever being violent towards other kids or using substances that are harmful and or illegal in school. But I, I think this is a, this is not something that needs to be forced out into the open. If the kid is only comfortable sharing this sort of transition with their peers and their friends and they're keeping it from the parents, I don't think that it necessarily should be, an obligation or a burden on the schools to let the parents know. I don't know who that, who that helps. And again, I don't expect you to have a, an answer or a solution yeah. for that. This is way past both of our 
pay grades, especially me not being a, in public schools and not being a parent. But and, and, and it's hard too, right? Because I think we're coming at it from a more understanding, rational conversation. But, you know, regardless of the situation, I would be livid if I found out that my kid, you know, my kid was wanting to have his peers at school call him a different name. He was, you know, my, my child is bringing a change of clothes in their backpack and being allowed to change at school and then change back before they came home. Like, and you didn't tell me I would be absolutely furious as a parent. It, it's not up to the, the school to decide how I respond to a search situation. Like, again, I, it's terrible. We're sending kids We're sending kids home to awful situations all over the place. So why would, why would um, sending a kid home who's transgender, why is that any different than sending a kid home whose mom works all night and there's no food in the house? Like, we're, we, why is that okay to send them home to that situation or to an abusive father who abuses the mother? Why is that okay to send them there, but we don't communicate home about this? So, like, I, you, you communicate at home, and it, it's not up to the school to decide, you know. Well, I, well but the, the, here's the thing. Like, we as a society have decided that we don't care about poverty. We don't care about child abuse. All we care about is transphobia. All, all is we're terrified of this thing that we don't understand. So we're going to we're going to make it as disruptive a situation and conversation as we can. I'm not saying I'm not saying we we. And yeah, again, yeah, yeah. for you, for you, Matt Baker, whom I know very well and respect very much. It's it's got to be very hard. You are as as bad a, a test case for this thought experiment as I am having no kids because I like to think that if, if Tyler or Jake was going through such a situation, they would not have to worry about that because of what we talked about earlier, because you are so open and supportive of your kids that this is something that, that you would know about before it became an issue at school. And it's something that you talk about quite a bit that, it's not the burden of of teachers to parent their kids and most of the the problems that you have with with your students and that i saw my you know I, my dad was a superintendent for for years and my mom was a public school teacher teacher most of the problems that they dealt with with their students were could be traced back to i again i'm i'm going to sound like a like a judgmental MF here, which I am um, on many occasions, but but can be traced back to bad parenting or misguided parenting, Mm -hmm. which, and again, there's not a parent in the world who wants their kid to suffer, but there are plenty of parents who don't understand what their kids are going through, particularly in this realm. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I think there's so much more harm to be done than good in the sharing of this kind of information. And if a kid wants to change, change in the bathroom before homeroom and change again after last period, that's, that's something that, that, you know, and this, again, we get into this much bigger, deeper conversation of when is a child an adult. And for some kids, it's never, you know, I'm 52. I'm still, still, still an infant, but for some kids, you know, I know my, my niece and nephew at, Oh God, the month they're going to get mad at me. 18 and 15 or 18 and 16 are much more mature than I have ever been. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it is a very individualized thing. And I think the best thing that can be done is for, schools to to be as open-minded and supportive environments as possible and i think that's where this notification thing gets in the way of that and like you said it's it's entirely impossible to ask teachers to make a judgment as to which information is going to be 
harmful to the child. So I think unless it's dangerous to other children, it's not something that, that, that parent should absolutely have to be told. But again, that in some of these places, some of these parents would think that having a transgender child in one of their children's classes is threatening to their kid. So again, it's all, it all has to do with, with where you stand. Everything we see has to do with where we are standing when we look at it. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So again, this is a much more complex conversation than you and I can have. Maybe we can get a, a, a bona fide expert on the subject to, to come talk to us. So we've got, we got any quick ones? Did you want you wanted to have like a last five minute story or something, right? Yeah. So I guess it, in context here, we can talk quickly about the Tennessee law that just passed, which was go, is going to provide for teachers to be armed in the classrooms to prevent school shootings. And again, people who listen to the show know where we stand on all this stuff. But simultane simultaneously, they have expelled one Democratic state senator and there's two more that are probably going to face the same thing for taking part in anti-gun protests on the house floor or on the senate floor so i think again i got an f for tennessee for 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 both of these things i think uh, and i'll let you you being the the school safety expert talk yeah. about the 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 wisdom of arming teachers well, in class in classrooms. I think, it, it, I think you have to be careful on how, how, where you go here. Am I for mandating a teacher? Absolutely not. Am I for, and here's where I'm, here's what I'm for. And I know you're going to roll your eyes, Joe, because I'm going <laughs> to play the fence here, right? I'm going to be in, the, in this gray wishy-washy area. I am for any conversation to be had that could provide a more safer school. I am for having a conversation that is it possible where a willing teacher can keep a firearm in a closeted area only to only able to be fingerprint opened by a fingerprint. Yeah, sure. Could that be like, again, no one should ever be forced. I like, I wasn't even forced to be on my safety care team. I, I I'm a willing volunteer at my school to be on that. Um, I don't know, like why <laughs> I, I don't think it should be something that's shot. No, we can't have a gun in the school. Like, well, if we want a police officer there and now, yeah, they have training. So any teacher that would willingly volunteer to have a firearm locked, like, you know, in a stage area or in a, in a, in a closet close to the main office, that yes, they need to go through uh, training every month. They need to go to the range every month and score a certain amount. Like there can, it's for a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm for that. Can we take this out of the realm of thought experiment and try and try and imagine what yeah. this looks like in reality? So the 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 purpose for that, and we're we're getting short on time here, so I'll try yeah. try to keep this quick. The purpose of this is clearly to put a teacher in a position where they could stop a massacre before it gets too bad. But so assume you're in front of your class and, and a student pulls a weapon out of their backpack or comes in from the hallway and starts shooting up the classroom. What are the actual chances knowing what you know about firearms and, and the way they're, they're utilized. What are the, what do you think the actual chances that a teacher could stop a shooter without at least injuring another kid? I just don't see any way this 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 helps. It, I kind of feel the same way about it as I do about these idiots that bring their guns into Starbucks. You know, you're not you're going to do more harm more harm than good. And I, I agree that there are things that could be done to keep those bad outcomes to a minimum. But I just don't see any adding more guns. To a classroom where where one gun is a giant problem, I don't think sure. 
So I guess like, again, I, I, taking the thought experiment out of it. And, and again, well, I'll, I'll try to go through this quickly. If, if we want, maybe podcast listeners stay tuned. Maybe we'll go a little over here. If this would be, I'm not at, I, I am against any teacher carrying it on their person, willing or not. That is in my opinion, no, there's no need for that. So in your, in that scenario you gave where a student take something out of their backpack. I'm not getting to this locked firearm anyway. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to revert to my training where I'm either going to try to rush, do some sort of countering attack. I mean, that's what, that's what we're taught now. Right. I I teach my kids if there's a, 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 um, an an Alice alarm going off, you find a shoe, you find a pencil box and you're going to throw it at them because anything that distracts them, anything that destroys their, their, Zone focus, of, yeah. Site is gonna is helpful for you. So that's what you're doing in that situation. Where it could be beneficial is if there's an alarm activated in one wing of the the building, and now I I do have an opportunity to safely go to a different area, pull out a firearm, and get to it. That is worth the positive the realm of a conversation. But you know, maybe I, I think for right let, let, now, let, let's start, wrap up the the radio side of the podcast listeners. Stay tuned. We're gonna get I'm sure there's gonna be more of this. And radio listeners, check out the podcast because there's definitely more coming of this. But thanks for listening. Here's my here's my my overarching point on all of this. Yep. The solution to the problem of guns in schools is not to bring another gun into the damn school. That that's my overarching simplistic lefty explanation for it. And I, you know, I am not a guns are evil kind mm-hmm. of guy, yeah. but I just think that adding more firearms, no matter what safety precautions, no matter what, how, how many locks are between everyone else and that gun the chance of it doing harm is much more than much greater than the chance of it stopping any bad actor. Sure. I mean, look, I, I, I think, all right, these sorts of topics, it's not any sort of debate or discussion that we have is not necessarily intended. I'm like, I don't expect to change your mind here. Cause I get it. I, I do get that, but I guess like I would be open for the discussion Let's say, let's say there's technology out there that, you know, and if there's a locked safe in a closet somewhere accessible to two people in the building, and any time that is opened, an alarm would be sent, police are sent automatically to that building to respond to, you know, like a fire alarm. You pull the fire alarm, the, the right. fire department is there in a few minutes. So I guess like I, I get it. But in a, in in an active shooter situation, guns are coming anyway from police officers. So yeah, or like in, in like in Uvalde where they just stood outside for twenty eight minutes and and right. were afraid to go in because the 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 shooter had had more powerful weapons than they did. Yeah, you know. So like, I just I I think to. I understand the political debate around guns. I get it. And I'm not a gun enthusiast at all, but any to stop any conversation from happening at the word of gun, to me, I'm not saying it could work, but I'm saying it's worth a discussion because again, like if you told me that, Again, I, if you told me it, it would have to be on the teacher at all times holstered, no, against that. Like, no, student can grab it, mistake can happen, absolutely not. But if you told me in a closet next to the main office, there was a locked box that could that is accessible to one or two willing teachers that took weekly, monthly tests, firearm tests, um, range, the same sorts of things that police officers have to do monthly. Okay, let me me get, so the headline here to me is, Matt Baker wants to give teachers another impossible job. You know, we just talked about how to handle kids who 
who are trying to to express a, a an alternate gender identity yeah. and send them home to an unsafe situation you know again an impossible job for a teacher to do i think here you 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 just said it you you want them to go through the same training that a a police officer goes through and we see police officers misuse their firearms and kill innocent people all the friggin' time. Sure. So I, th- well, I think, again, I think as a thought experiment, you and I could talk about this for weeks and probably n- not get any closer together. And where this is, again, where you are much more capable of seeing the nuance in situations and, and slicing it into more, you know, differentiated circumstances I'm imposing my my lefty morality on all of it and just saying that, and you know this too about me, I am not a guns are bad person. Yeah, 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 yeah. In this situation, adding another gun m- is much more likely to do harm than to do good. Sure. No, and, and look, I, 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 am, I get that. And again, me, I would not. I'm not talking about making it mandated that every school would have to have at least one willing person. But if there's a high school that has a retired Air Force, you know, like the the old district I used to work in, our athletic director was a retired Air Force. um, uh, I forget what rank he was, but he's retired military like so. In that unique situation and somebody who's very, you know, I just, I, I think it's worth the open conversation to have. Um, but I mean, honestly, like I, I do get it, get it too. Like you're adding a, a weapon into a school that it, it, nothing good can happen possibly, but if it's, if used correctly, um, it would only be in a worse situation. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a tricky situation. Yeah, and, and I think we see in in homes so often the gun that's you know look at look at Abby's Werner, and sure. we didn't we didn't get to that. You didn't you know, get that there, was, yeah. You know that was a, a you know you, you would be absolutely right in saying the problem here was that the gun was improperly secured, was left on a shelf unlocked in the top of a closet, and we didn't get to Abby's lawsuit, but she's suing the district for forty million dollars. And I, I love your response, your immediate response in our text text conversation, which I hope she gets it and she deserves yeah. it. That, did, that, did you that, hear sort of the district's response? Is that they're trying to make it like a workman's comp kind of thing? And it's within, I'm, I'm dreading this. I'm going to be pissed because there, there's like, you know, the talk of, well, this is now becoming part of your job and, and this is this is just an injury that you, you have to, this is the risk you take as a teacher and this is a workman's comp kind of situation that to me I, I i that i struggle with that wholeheartedly like nowhere in a teacher's job description is take a bullet yeah oh god and especially in this specific situation where administration was warned multiple times of this teacher's uneasiness and bad feeling about the student and they did nothing like to me Oh man, this makes my bleed. It makes me, quite honestly, I'm like, I can't wait to be able to get out of education because oh, the nonsense that we're dealing with. And now, you know, you know what's going to happen if it that if if a judge finds it, yeah, this is within your the realm, the scope of your job. That's going to be all over the place. That's going to be in every next contract. Oh, that's going to be in every next insurance policy. Uh, and it's just like, and again, I hope no other teacher ever has to deal with that. But I just the, the the mindset that this is part of our job. Give me a break. That it's uh, to be expected to be shot. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it should, should not be part of, of any any job unless you're in the military or unless you're, you're a police officer. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I think we probably I gotta make sure I say goodnight to the boys. I think we worn ourselves and everyone else out at this <laughs> point. So again, podcast listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Go back and check out the Donaldson messages part yeah. one. I believe it's episode nineteen uh, because we're going to follow up on that next week, and it gets even weirder if you can Weird believe enough. that if you've heard it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.